Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Happy Wednesday. I'm super duper excited for two reasons today. First reason that she built this podcast hit 10,000 downloads this week, which is a super big milestone. And I just want to give you a big old thank you. You can pat yourself on the back, um, you know, take yourself out for dinner or something tonight because you made that happen. And I'm so grateful to you for listening. I'm grateful to all of the people who have just joined us in listening. And for those of you who Help me to share the podcast. That just means so much. And also those of you who write reviews, it's really, truly amazing. The other reason I'm excited is because today I have not one amazing guest, but two amazing guests. Um, So one of them was actually one of our first panelists for She Built This back in November of 2018 when this all like started magically. And it actually, the event was actually held at her location. Dun, 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 Amy LaBelle. Um, Amy is the founder and co-owner and winemaker of LaBelle Winery. Amy, if you haven't heard her story, she was actually formerly a corporate attorney And then she um, decided to pursue her lifelong interest in wine, which led her to open LaBelle Winery to pursue her passion. Amy has not one, not two, but three locations here in New Hampshire. And what I think you're going to hear in this conversation, as with all all of our conversations, is her love of learning, her dedication, her integrity, and her innovation. Amy always brings a strength and resiliency to her team. And in doing so, um, she also gets that back from them too. And it's really beautiful. My second guest is collaborating with Amy in her new location, which you're going to hear all about. Her name is Emily Otterman. Emily is a lifelong artist with Canadian roots, and she's also a proud card-carrying SBT VIP member, and she says, she tells me that she loves supporting and being supported by our community. I love having her. In fact, I don't know how long it would have taken us to meet prior to this pandemic, but I'm so happy that we met during this time and we've had so many opportunities to connect virtually. I am super grateful for that. Emily loves to create um, things that preserve and celebrate what people value most. That's what she really strives to accomplish. And she incorporates really meaningful photographs of people, places, or things into the artwork that she creates. And then she loves using the medium of what's called encaustic. And that is like a beeswax and damar resin and also a blowtorch, if you can picture that. So these two ladies are going to be talking about the power of collaboration and the importance of collaboration, but also how important it is for our values to be aligned with one another when we're choosing people to collaborate with. And we get into a whole lot more, um, but this is that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think you're really gonna enjoy the interview. I do wanna say that some of the dates are gonna be pushed back a little bit just because of some um, things that have changed a little. So if you want accurate information on the dates that we mentioned in today's episode, you can visit Emily's website, which is gonna be in the show notes, or Amy's website, which is also gonna be in the show notes. And now all you have to do is sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. 
Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, Amy and Emily, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Is this the most exciting moment of your entire life? Without a doubt. At, at least my day. Yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. All right. So let's give everyone some background on who my guests are today. Um, I obviously read your bios before you joined, but I would love to hear in your words who each of you are, and I'll let you just like draw straws as to who is introducing themselves first. We're both pointing at each other. <laughs> Emily, first. I'll go first. <laughs> so I'm Emily Otterman, and uh, I am a visual artist. I'm an artist and an entrepreneur. I like to say that I help people preserve and celebrate what matters most. Um, and I do that through visual artwork, through um, artistic panels. I do some commission work. I do custom work. I do fun things. And... Um, I've been an artist most of my life, originally from Ontario, Canada, and happily planted here in New Hampshire with my husband and two kids. Yeah. All right, Amy, you're up. I'm Amy LaBelle. I am the owner of and founder of LaBelle Winery in Amherst, New Hampshire, uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and now Derry, New Hampshire. I'm a winemaker at heart, but I'm, I'm an eternal entrepreneur and I love to grow my business and take care of people in my business with beautiful experiences that surround food and wine and art and all of the, the good things that hospitality can bring. That's and me. Amy has been a amazing panelist on at our very first um, She Built This event, which we had at LaBelle in Amherst. And so I want to get into um, I want to get into your new location a little bit in a second. But I want to hear how you and Emily met and like what gave you the idea to collaborate in this way. How did we meet? Because uh, I've been aware of you for so long. But yeah. Yeah, and I've been aware of you and, you know, maybe doing a little bit of friendly stalking over the years. <laughs> um, I, hmm. I'm glad she can laugh at that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think I reached out to you. Um, Gosh, a this long was time probably ago. four or five years ago. And I think you sent me a really beautiful note early on. I did. That was so beautiful. I put it up on my bulletin board because everything you do is so beautiful. And so I said, I have to get to know who this person is. And then, I don't know, we've met at different things over the years. Mm -hmm. What did it for me was I, I visited the, the winery and took some photographs of the, the landscape. And it was so beautiful. And I... Um, wanted to kind of congratulate her, Amy, on, um, you know, on bringing such a beautiful thing to the state of New Hampshire and our community. And um, so I made a little handmade card using those photographs and sent it to her and, you know, just kind of encouraged her to dream big and, and uh, keep going. And it kind of started from there, I think. Mm -hmm. we, Aww, yeah, I, I think love that. So. No, yeah, so it started, our, our friendship started from Emily's incredible kindness, which, you know, 
Emily is an amazing artist, but she's also a lovely person. And she is a lovely person. Beautiful pieces of art. And I don't know what I did to deserve such a lovely person in my life, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, you're both lovely people. So that's what you did. <laughs> um, all right. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the new location? Because this has all been kind of like happening while all of these crazy things are going on in our world. Um, so tell us a little bit about the new location, where it is and what you have in store for it. Sure. Um, so, I mean, because what you want to do in the middle of a pandemic is definitely start a new hospitality business. I would recommend that to all my friends. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to write a book about that. How to start a hospitality business in a pandemic. Very smart. Um, so obviously the timing was a little bit wonky on this one, but it's either going to pan out to be the greatest timing ever or the craziest thing I ever did. We'll see. It's kind of a cliffhanger. We'll see. Um, and that's part of what being an entrepreneur is, right? You've got to always be pushing and dreaming and reaching. And, um, you know, calculated risks are important. But at some point, you just have to say, well, I'm going to go for it. This seems like a great opportunity. So that's what happened here. This business, um, we actually had looked at this business two years ago. And the family that was selling it wasn't quite ready for a variety of reasons uh, to sell it. And so um, we, the, the deal kind of fell apart and we turned our attention to the expansion that we'll be doing eventually across the street from um, LaBelle Winery in Amherst. And so that was fine. But then um, this family came back to us in July of 2020. So last summer, right in the middle of us trying to basically save the business that we have in Amherst um, and, and Portsmouth because, you know, last summer was an incredibly difficult time for hospitality businesses. And they called us and said, hey, we're ready to sell now. And I said, yo, that's hilarious. You've got really bad timing. Um, there's no way I can do this right now. But then I got really grumpy and kind of, you know, I said to myself, geez, you know, maybe I shouldn't blow it off so quickly. Maybe I should think about this a little bit and, and try to figure it out. And that's what we did. We went and met with them and we figured it out. And now we're, um, we've taken over this property and we'll be expanding, uh, resurrecting the restaurant that used to be in this property, expanding our events business there. The restaurant's a 400 seat restaurant. Uh, there's an upper level with a secondary event space and that's where our art gallery will be. And this place has office space for my team, my growing team. My poor team never had proper office space, so now they do. Um, it's it, There's even a break room with coffee. It's like, I feel so great because I'm giving my team what they needed, the tools they needed to do their jobs properly. And uh, we'll be building a winery there, uh, some more production space so I can make more wine, especially focusing on sparkling wine, which... I haven't been able to do an Amherst um, in a, on a large scale because I, I just don't have enough space. So this will give me a little more space. And then um, this place has a golf course. So that's new. Um, wow. <laughs> so that's new. And though I like to golf, I've never run a golf course. So some people have looked at me and said, are you crazy? Like, what? how are you going to run a golf course? But to me, it's really the same. It, it's hospitality and at the end of the day. So I don't feel like it's out of my wheelhouse because it's the same as a restaurant or an event or anytime I invite people onto my property, you know, we're, we're, we're creating an experience for these people that will create memories that they'll take home with them and that hopefully impact their life in a positive way. 
Um, I think extending that hospitality to the golf course will be exactly the same as inviting them to an event. So we're going to just apply the LaBelle philosophy to everything we do there, even the mini golf course, which is actually really cute and fun. Um, and so uh, I think it's going to be okay. So that's what it, I'm doing, it, Have people said to you like, oh, because you weren't already busy enough, because that's the first thing I'm like, oh my gosh, you were already so busy. Um, yeah. So how, how are you kind of like approaching that? Like what are your, I guess, what are your tactics now that you can think of that you're going to keep yourself from being completely beside yourself with busyness? Well, I've started ordering groceries. <laughs> okay. Step one. <laughs> step one. So step one, I can't go to the grocery store anymore. There's no time. And I have teenagers and they eat all the time. So I only have one teenager. The other one just acts like a teenager. He's getting there. But um, I'm joking. I joke. I joke. What I'm, what I should say, not be so, so, so jokey is that in reality, um, you know, obviously as LaBelle grows, my team has been maturing and taking on more and more responsibility. And so the only way I can do these projects and expand yep. and grow is because I have really amazing people on my team that support me. And the LaBelle team is incredible. Um, my management staff is, I think beyond, you know, I just think they're the best in the whole world. And I tell them this all the time, um, best hospitality team in the whole world. So uh, they've, they gave me the confidence to say, okay, we can really do this. We can get this done. Yeah. And, and breaking news, Amy turned off her phone for this podcast episode. So like it can be done people, you can do it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I, I ordered my groceries first though. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, all right. So why don't you tell us about this? Like, I love the sounds of the art place and Emily, um, I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag like too early, but why don't you tell us about what your piece of the puzzle is here with the art space? No, you're not letting the cat out of the bag. As a matter of fact, it should be let out of the bag. Yeah, probably let's get that now. cat out. <laughs> I hate when cats are in bags. <laughs> making me spit out my coffee. <laughs> uh, so I guess I should probably go back to uh, talking a little bit about the gratitude collection and how that got yeah. started. Um, so it was, uh, it's a collection of eight pieces that um, were inspired by a trip that I took to the Netherlands with my dad in 2015. And it was to celebrate the uh, 70th anniversary of the, the liberation of that country. And um, it was very moving for me, and it inspired me to create this collection. And it was supposed to have been um, exhibited in the Netherlands last year, but like so many other things, that didn't happen. And um, and Amy was aware that that it was supposed to have happened, and she and I had been in touch, and um, she thought that maybe it might be a good idea to have it at LaBelle. We were talking about last spring, that didn't happen. <clears throat> and then um, when this opportunity came up for her and Caesar for um, the dairy location, um, she approached me again and asked me about having the collection exhibited at the dairy location, kind of to, to be the first, uh, the first exhibition in this new brand new space for their gallery. Um, there. So um, 
I just thought that that would be a fantastic idea. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're going for it. And um, it's going to be installed in April, 1st of April, I yes. think, 1st or 2nd of April. Yeah, we're working on installing all the art lighting and the art hanging systems now so that we're ready to receive Emily's beautiful work in just a couple weeks. And when, I'm sorry, I didn't ask this before, when does the um, new location open officially? Um, officially, we have our first event. The event, we're going to open in phases. So the event side will open April 3rd uh, for our first wedding. God bless that bride. She's very, she's a woman of fortitude. She's She's not nervous at all that we won't be ready because we will. We will absolutely be ready. Even though I'm still putting down the floor, everything's fine. Um, so April 3rd, first wedding. We'll do Easter brunch the following morning. Uh, that's open to the public. And then um, a few weeks after that, we'll open the restaurant and the LaBelle Market, um, which will, is also on this property. This property is more like a village. It's got lots of little places to visit. And one of the places is the LaBelle Market, opening May 15th or so, uh, along with the restaurant. And the market, uh, you'll have grab-and-go food and um, just lovely things to uh, feed your family with or to throw a dinner party with. So um, th that's that'll be phase two. But, you know, as the events are opening up and we're going to start to have people through the building, we wanted to get the art installation up right away and to open with a bang with this uh, beautiful gratitude collection. I love that. Okay, so this is a good time, I think, to ask um, why why art is an important part of, like why you want to incorporate it into LaBelle. So talk to me a little bit about like maybe from both of your perspective, why art is an important thing to you. Mm. Wow. I mean, that's an easy question, so. <laughs> yeah, that's a deep question. Yeah, it, it, it is easy and hard. Well, I think especially with COVID, I think everybody is now realizing how important space is to mm -hmm. them. And um, and they want things that matter around <clears throat> around them. And um, and I think, I think the gratitude collection in particular um, has an awful lot of meaning behind it. And it, like it's based on, on, like it's photographic in in nature and um, sweet moments between veterans and um, the Dutch people and children and um, and with each other too and uh, it just I think we're all way more aware of of those spaces around us and um, and putting more um, more time and more effort into into making sure that we've got those meaningful things that are around us. Um, yeah, and That's beautiful. And as for having it at LaBelle, I don't know, maybe Amy's going to have to tell you that. Well, I mean, <clears throat> you know, for LaBelle, art has always been a part of the LaBelle Winery brand, um, partially mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I think a lot of what we do at LaBelle is art, too. So we have culinary art. We have, you know, I, I consider wine an art, winemaking um, as a skill set, you know, to be an art. You know, it's kind of one of those interesting skill sets that's kind of half art, half science, because it, it, just like cooking, you know, you can have the very same recipe, if you will, or formula for making wine. But if the same, if two people make it with the same ingredients, it's going to come out different. Um, because that's the art part, right? That's that's your talent. That's your art. 
And so I also have a performance art background. So I, I have a performance background in dance and theater. And so I've always loved the idea of incorporating all kinds of different art genres, you know, whether it's visual arts or performing arts. And that's why we have such a robust performance series at the winery too. Um, because I think incorporating all of that adds to your life experience so much. Yeah. It's, it's a rounded experience. Um, it adds to the guest experience. Um, mm. You know, the art installations we have at the winery in, in both Dairy and Amherst are going to impact certain guests in different ways. And, and some of them may not pay any attention at all because it might not be part of their experience. But um, for, the, for some people, um, and I hope the majority of people, it really will enhance their visit and make their day that much more rich and full. Uh, you know, satisfying all of the senses, mm -hmm. you know, at LaBelle, you've got taste, you've got beautiful smells, you've got wonderful food, you've got gorgeous things to look at and to think about and really, in, you know, enriching all of your senses. So kind of just like how you were talking about um, a recipe, I think sometimes we as people are like that too. Like there is a, you know, sometimes two people can come together and it's just like this amazing chemistry or recipe. It's like an, an art form when two people come together. And so that kind of brings me to um, collaborations and like why, why collaborations are important to, to each of you, but also like how you choose your collaborations, because I don't know about you, but I have gotten myself into some collaborations that were not right. Um, and so I, I know that, you know, you're both collaborating in something and maybe this is not like, you're not like starting a business together, but how do you go about choosing those things that you are collaborating on with others mm. and making sure it's the right fit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for me, anybody that I collaborate with, I have to feel aligned with principles and values. And if I don't, I can usually tell in my gut that it's not an alignment mm -hmm. and I drop it like a hot potato. Um, and I have had, I, well, I kind of considered doing, doing commission work or custom work uh, collaboration with the clients that I'm working with. Um, and if it doesn't work, it just, I, I won't even start the project. I have had it happen in the past. This was decades ago when I was, uh, I had a studio in Ontario, Canada, and um, I took a couple of projects. One in particular was, ended up being horrific, but I couldn't abandon it because it was a huge, it was a huge painting. It was, I think like eight feet high over a fireplace. Mm -hmm. And initially I thought it was going to be just fine, but it, just went downhill this woman became a helicopter client Aww. she would come into my studio um unannounced and and that's a no-no we had an agreement up front i said i don't show anybody the work when it's partially done you can you can i can send you photographs of it but you can't come into my studio when it's partly done it's kind of like it's it's so intimate for me when I'm working on something like that. It'd be like me walking into someone's bedroom unannounced. <laughs> so so it went south, but <laughs> but we kept uh, I kept on doing it, and um, it may, it taught me lessons of how to um, how to go into um, working with people in the future. Like it it was um, you know and it inspired me to write a little you know question and answer, mm. uh, thing for potential clients. I mean, sometimes, you know, right away, 
that it's going to work fine, but sometimes you don't. Um, and I think collaboration is really, really important because it brings in um, it brings in a perspective that you don't you you're not thinking of. It it brings in freshness. It brings in ideas that you never ever would have thought of. Um, and it, and it can be fun too. You know, it's like you know, sitting with Amy is pretty fun. <laughs> we have too much fun. We've been having some fun working together. So yeah, it's it's just it, it enriches your life if you if it's if you're aligned if it's if you've got um, common goals and you've got um, a vision for the same thing. Um, I think it can be a wonderful experience for everybody. Yeah. And I think I want to encourage people that it's okay to ask those questions about the person that you're collaborating with. Like it's okay to have this open discussion about it, you know, because it's really, you know, say you have a more of a gut feeling than somebody else. It's, it's helpful for them, I think, to really know, like if something rocky does come up that you have that why of how you first started doing it, you know? Absolutely. So it's like something to ground yourself and come back to. So I think the conversation should be welcome and happen more where it's like, here's both of our expectations. Here's what we value and think is important in the relationship. And then, and that's okay. You know, it doesn't all have to be like kind of uh, just unsaid, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, I think it's got a lot to do with learning to have difficult conversations or, and they don't even have to be difficult, but I think sometimes you build up in your head like, oh, I have to tell them X, Y, and Z, and that's going to be really, it's going to be, you know, a conflict to sit in discussion, and a lot of people shy away from those kind of discussions, but I find it's so much better to just have those talks up front and set, set the ground rules, and it, it, it avoids a lot of problems later on. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right. So Amy, I would love to hear from you, like some of the experience that you've gone through during COVID and maybe, maybe what some of the silver linings have been through it, if you're able to see those yet. Absolutely. We are. Um, and I'm, and I'm happy to share that, but, um, well, I mean, gosh, where do I start? We were, I just sent out a message to my whole team this week saying a year ago this week, we were ordered shut by the governor um, and the whole world was so uncertain. Um, so it was a year ago, yesterday um, was our first day that we were completely shut down. And you know we were just kind of reflecting on all of that um, and where we've come since then. Uh, for us, you know, there was a very visceral and quick, like immediate need to fight and find a way to, to make it. Um, and luckily for me, I mean, the day we were ordered shut, I laid off 90 ish people. Um, and that was a very, very bad day. I don't, you know, and I, it's not, it wasn't about me. I, I, it was bad for the people, um, that I had to lay off and, and it was bad for me. Um, everybody understood it. And of course, um, but I was able to preserve my management some of my management team, so that we could continue operating in some respect. So what we decided to do, and we had already been working on this because we kind of felt in my gut this coming down the pipeline that we were that the world was going to change a little bit for a while. So we'd already been working on a family meal program and some food to go as a way to serve our community during the COVID shutdown. And so the wheels were spinning on that a little bit. Of course, when we were ordered shut, we engaged in that full gear 
And we, within five days, pretty much had launched an entirely new business model, which was family meal service, (laughs) Um, you know, a pickup and delivery service. So we were able to keep about 12 people employed. Margarita mixes too. Margarita mixes, (laughs) yes. Kits, uh, cocktail kits, uh, wine to go. Um, You know, and we, we basically fashioned a whole new business where people could drive up. We drop we drop a bag of ready to ready ready food in their trunk or um, cocktail kits or whatever they needed, um, and in some cases groceries because if you may remember that we were having a lot of people were having a hard time finding basic grocery stuff, mm-hmm. so we were providing that um, to people who needed it as well because through the restaurant supply chains we could still get toilet paper, uh, flour you know, basics, yeast, things people couldn't find. It was, it was really crazy. Your wine sales must've been like through the roof. I think last year was like a, it was like a record year or something for alcohol sales. I know, right? Who could blame us? Um, But it was interesting, you know, our, our bigger stores did well um, because grocery stores were still selling. Um, Obviously we were selling what we could on site, what we sold on site and into people's cars. It didn't cut it didn't, it didn't rise to the level of what we could sell in normal times. So overall, and then, and the moment we, what we found was that people were making less stops in general. So our smaller stores, the mom and pop wine stores, they weren't selling wine because yeah. people were just stopping at the grocery store and that was it. And they'd get home. You know what I mean? So um, I think that overall our sales were about even a little bit down on the year. Um, but during COVID shutdowns, um, the number is this. I had 8% of my typical revenue during those wow. three months. 8%. Wow. And that was absolutely terrifying. So if you ask me, how did we get through that? And how did my company survive that? I would tell you that it's because we obviously did all the things we needed to do to contain expenses and you know, we did, we immediately went line item by line item on every dollar we were spending. We didn't spend anything that we didn't have to. But in addition, we were able to, um, well, first of all, our community supported us like incredibly. Um, people, people ordered food. It was so great. Um, just, so just that little bit of revenue was kind of, you know, keeping the wheel spinning and the lights on at least. But the other thing that, that I decided to do as a leader was to write a message to my entire team, not the ones that were just still working, but everybody, the laid off people too, um, because we still have a, I have a, we have an internal communication platform that pushes me, uh, group messages out to text and to emails and stuff. So um, every single day I wrote my team and, and told them the status. I would tell them exactly what I did that day to save the business how much money we had left in the bank account, how many days we had left, you know, until the money ran out and, you know, if we kept going at the rate we were going. Um, and so everybody was in the boat together. We were, kind of, and I really wanted the people that were laid off to feel a part of the, you know, what we were going through on a day-to-day basis. So they didn't feel like they were kind of, you know, left hanging in the breeze, you know? Yeah. So I, I just wanted them to see that what we were doing every day to save the business and get them back. And then eventually when we were able to reopen, um, I didn't have, everybody came back unless they had like a medical issue and they're, you know, still not comfortable going out or whatever. Um, Everybody came back and here's the silver lining that you asked about. Because we went through this incredibly difficult time together and because we all fought so hard to keep the business alive and to grow the brand, um, 
we're like so we're so strong as a team now. Um, there's so much love. There was much expression of love and appreciation and gratitude through these messages and through all the messages I was getting back. You know, um, we had we set up an employee emergency fund during that time, and we were buying people's groceries because you know, we would get tip. Everybody who was still working would, would donate their tips to the employee emergency fund. Wow. And I had customers putting in hundred dollar bills to the employee emergency fund. And so we were buying people's groceries if they needed them or paying their rent through that fund. And other, other employees, if they'd been laid off, but could contribute, would come in and contribute. And we'd trade them wine for donations to the fund. And like, we were just trying to find all these creative ways to keep the team engaged, to keep, to keep them with groceries and paying their rent and doing everything they had to do. And I think that going through all that, the silver lining was that I have such a strong and loyal team now. We've been through something really hard together and I feel like that's made us kind of unstoppable in a way now because we've been through the worst possible thing and we're, we're still here and we're good. And we're ready yeah. to go. We're gonna, this is like that's the ultimate team boot camp. It, it, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was like boot camp, yeah. And that's why when we take on a project like Dairy now, we're like, oh, fine. No big deal. <laughs> we can do that. We can do hard things. No problem. Bash well, on. I really admire you for for sticking through this because I, I've been watching and I know that it has been like, I, I can't even imagine what you've been through. Like, I, I think that is, it is obviously one of the industries that is hugely affected. So good job. Um, and it, it's going, it, the, it must be so good to see the hope that there, that is happening right now with like warmer weather coming and things oh, starting yeah. to open up again. Um, that must just feel really, really good to you. Oh yeah. We're ready. Like bring it on. It's time to get this business back in gear and get our cash flow going and, you know, get everybody on track. We're ready. We are ready to entertain you all when you are ready to go out. We are here. We're going to show you some art. You need some good food. Going to give you a good experience. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, okay, so Emily, let's hear what your, like, what is your current state of reflection, I guess, when it comes to what you personally have had to go through during this past year, too? Wow. <laughs> that's a big well, question. That's a big, that's a very big emotional question for me. Um so it was almost a year ago, it was a year ago on Sunday that my father passed away. Um, and, you know, trying to plan a funeral when just everything mm -hmm. was crumbling down around us. Um, and keep in mind that he lived in, uh, in Canada, so it meant a trip across the border. And at that point, we could still get across the border and then back home again. But it made for planning that funeral pretty crazy. And, uh, and of course, you know, he was supposed to have gone with me to the Netherlands and, um, that didn't happen. And, uh, and then, you know, getting closer to the end of the year, um, my mother passed away and, um, it was tough because I could not be with her as she was dying and, um, and I couldn't go to her funeral. So, um, all of that was very, very difficult, but, you know, <laughs> silver linings, um, and I'm, I'm a great believer in this, and I think that's why uh, Amy and I are, are aligned this way, is that, 
it doesn't matter what kind of crap you've gone through. There's always something that you're grateful for, that you can be grateful for, and you can be aware of those things. So the silver lining for me was that I was able to, um, to talk with my mother on the phone a few days before she passed. I knew how she felt. She knew how I felt. Um, it was very tearful, but we did say our goodbyes. Um, and, you know, I, I have, am blessed with a great brother who was able to take care of all the things that needed to be taken care of there. Um, I was able to, to watch my mother's funeral through Facebook. My nephew is a, is a film student grad, and, and uh, he was able to, to uh, film it for myself as well as for others who um, would have been there had they could have. And um, yeah, so so it's a blessing. And the other thing that was that's kind of interesting, and and I'm not sure that Amy knows this, but um, Amy approached me to have the gratitude collection shown um, the day after, oh, sorry, the day before mm-hmm. my mother passed away. And my mom knew that I was going to be meeting with Amy, and she knew that it was likely that you know, something we would do together. Um, so, you know, it was kind of, that's just another silver lining is that both my parents knew that there was going to be something happening with this gratitude collection. And because my father is in um, a few of the pieces, uh, you know, it, it just meant a lot to them. So I'm happy that they knew all about it before, uh, before the end of their lives. So, so. Mm, I love yeah. that. And I love that this um, having it in, in Amy's space is so much more, I mean, not more, but it's, it's just so meaningful with all of this, like these little background things that nobody else maybe seeing the art would even know. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. That's pretty cool. It's true. See, now Um, you cry. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That happens on the show a lot. I will say that. Like Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) Just let it out. Just let it out. Um, all right. So Emily, rem- tell us the details of the um, exhibit, if you don't mind, like the dates that people can go see it and how how they can make that happen. So it's going to be installed um, the beginning of April. I think it's the first or the second. Um, and I'm not exactly sure. We haven't worked out the details of um, of when people can see it and how people can see it like on, on a day-to-day basis, but we'll figure those details out. However, we have a tentative date for a, um, a dinner that we're going to have um, to kind of celebrate the, the collection. And um, we and the, the dinner date is the 2nd mm-hmm. of June. And um, we're working with the chef. Um, tell me his name. Peter. Peter. Thank you. We're working with Chef Peter. Um, He's actually uh, excited about about the collection, and he is um, creating a menu specifically for this. Um, And um, we're hoping to have a musician also, um, but there'll there'll be more information about that event, about the dinner, uh, in conjunction with the exhibition also. you know, I'm sure we'll blast it all over oh, Facebook. Yeah. You won't be able to get away from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the exhibition will be up for three months, um, probably the beginning of July. It'll come down. And um, I think that people will probably be able to walk in the, the oh, gallery yeah. space. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and see it. 
Absolutely. Especially once, I mean, you know, for the first month we'll be doing events and people could certainly tour the exhibition then, but especially when the restaurant market are open, it's going to be a very busy property with lots of people through and the golfers and the restaurant people and the market people. Um, so anyone who wants to see the art collection will, is more than welcome to um, head up there to the art gallery on the second floor and enjoy that maybe before dinner at the property or something, or before they pick up their meal yeah. to take home. Uh, so we'll be we'll be uh, rolling out some more details about that real soon. Okay, we'll stay tuned. And I, I love the dinner with the chef being like another example of like artistic collaboration, you know, because that is a, that's like what a chef does is he creates art with food. So it's, yeah. this is like so beautiful. And Amy has picked out a wine, um, especially for the dinner also. She has a wine in mind that is going to be featured. The chemistry continues, but I guess yes. that's a mystery. It sounds like that's a mystery wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that will be our, um, it's just natural that we'd want to pair our wine called Americus. Um, so many years back, Caesar had um, named, asked, you know, he, Caesar's very good at naming things. I always leave that to him. So my husband, Caesar, if you're listening and you don't know who that is, so my husband, Caesar, is also my partner. And uh, Caesar named one of our wines Americus, which is his tribute to the American dream. And it's really become our shared kind of expression of love for this country, for everything that's possible in this country, for the fact that we live in the greatest country on earth. Um, and it's Caesar's an immigrant, and he didn't come to this country until he was about eight and so he just has this extra profound uh, gratitude, appropriately, for um, what he's been able to achieve here uh, through hard work and perseverance. So it, Americus, the wine Americus, is our tribute to the American dream, and so much so that we named our new restaurant Americus. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love this. And I did not know that about the wine. So, And I didn't know he was your namer either. Yeah, he's really good at that. He comes up with some good ones. <laughs> yep. Well, that's perfect. Um, okay, so just closing, I guess let's let's wrap it up with gratitude and why, like how that is a part of your everyday life and how I love coming back to how when we when we look at life through a lens of gratitude, it really does increase the amount of joy that we can experience. So you both have expressed some pretty big obstacles that you faced. And it sounds like even while going through them, you had an attitude of gratitude. So let's talk about that. Sure. You want to go first? Sure. So it's become my daily um, routine to uh, journal. And I'm always journaling about the things that I'm grateful for. <clears throat> and um, I haven't always done that. But after that trip in 2015, the expressions of gratitude that were shown to these heroes and the joy that, that came about as a result, I mean, it was incredibly moving and overwhelming. And they just, they just lived their lives with such joy. Um, and I know that that might not be a daily occurrence for them, but um, it, it, you know, when you can express thanks and express gratitude for something that someone has shown you or something that someone has done for you um, or something that's happened to you um, or something that you have that someone else may not have 
um, it's just it's a fuller, richer life, and um, and it's it's not only fuller and richer for you, but it's also fuller and richer for the people that you can express that gratitude towards. Um, and it, it's just. I mean, why not? What's the alternative? <laughs> you know, right. it's just, it just makes for a better life. And, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm all about. Yeah. How about uh, you, Amy? And it's really, um, it's really um, got a lot to do with the fact that if I'm getting all up in my head about all the stuff I have to do, or, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of pressure and stress in my life, of course. Um, although I don't, I don't know. I don't really feel like I have stress, like people express as stress. I, I, if I'm starting to feel what I imagine to be stress or, or the thing we call stress, I just know I need a plan um, that I don't have. I haven't planned out how that's going to work just yet. And I need a plan. So usually I'll alleviate the stress with a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. I think when I'm expressing gratitude quietly to myself or out loud to God, um, or to my family, I find that I can't have other emotions at the same time, like I, or, you know, other negative emotions. So it's like the immediate elixir for negative emotions. If I can just immediately go, if I start getting all up inside my head about something, or if I'm like, oh, am I being a good mother? How can I be a business person and have all these things to do and be a good mother? And blah, 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 blah. Oh, and my kids are, you know, whatever you know, the set, the aforementioned teenagers, if they're, if they're driving me crazy, I can't be angry with them and grateful for them at the same time. So I usually just choose the gratitude route because it makes my, my day more peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I like that. It makes, and then therefore it makes everyone's day more peaceful. Um, so I mean, so great, you know, you cannot be stressed and be grateful at the same time. Mm. It's not, I don't think it's possible. That's such a that's such a good perspective and something I think we it's so tangible like we can all work on that you know when you when you find yourself in that stress spiral or the overwhelm spiral or whatever the spiral is pause and and give gratitude and see if you can have both of those emotions at one time it's like a fun little experiment you can try in the privacy of your own home yeah you really can and then you can start imposing it on all your friends too yes so if my mom calls me and she's crabbing about something in her life or whatever um i'll say yeah but you woke up today and you're alive and the birds are singing and she's like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then she laughs at me and then see she's out of her spiral. So yeah. that's the way, I mean, I think you can affect others, others in your circle through gratitude as well. Yep. I love it. Yep. Oh, we went full circle. We went full. What's the effect that you were talking about before we started the, recording? The Fibonacci effect. We went full Fibonacci today. <laughs> um, all right. So just before we wrap up, why don't you give us um, a way to connect with you online and learn more about uh, your respective locations? Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can always find out what LaBelle Winery is doing at labellewinery.com. Um, that's probably the easiest and best way, but of course on Instagram, Facebook, all social media platforms, um, we'd love to, to see you at the new place soon and certainly love to welcome you to see Emily Otterman's gratitude collection. Oh, you're so sweet. 
And mine is um, it's probably the website is the easiest way, and it's uh, emilyotterman.com. Um, Facebook is Emily Otterman Artist, and Instagram is emily.otterman. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have all those links, so don't worry. You, you yeah, people don't yeah. have to sit there and take notes about these <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, I'll have these all as, as spots that people can click on. So. All right. Well, thank you so much, ladies. And I'm super excited. I, I can't wait to go see the display for myself and visit this new location and play some mini golf. Yay. Yeah. You better. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Emily. It's been thank great. You. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.